We're going to continue in worship this morning. We're just going to continue in the same vein that we've been in over the last half hour or so. I want to challenge us this morning in our worship. I want to challenge us. This is, in many ways, going to be a a workshop more than just a teaching. So workshops, we come away from workshop having worked something out. Um, individually. So that's the, that's the posture and position I want us to take this morning is that we're going to take a step closer to Jesus in the area of worship than we were before we got here. That's all he requires of us is to take one step forward in faith at a time. Amen. That's it. One step at a time is all it requires. And so today we want to move one step closer and we might regress. That's why there's grace. But today we're going to say we're closer in understanding the, the purpose uh, and the motivations behind our worship. We have a better understanding of why we do this. So if somebody out there said, why aren't you home watching the Seahawks? Don't tell me the score. But if, why aren't you home? Why did you do this this morning? Why did you come gather with these people on a Sunday morning? What's the reason behind the hope that you have? That's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to clarify again in our minds, renew in our minds, why it is that we're shouting out to this God in the first place. Psalm 150. Shout outs. Think about the practice of praise in our life as we prepare to enter into a week that's founded on thanking God for the abundance that he's given us. That's why we have two extra days off. Because we're thanking God for abundance. And I woke up yesterday morning, it's like so often we get close to the holidays and we're celebrating abundance. And why do we wake up some days feeling like we're just lacking so much stuff? Does anyone ever feel like the holidays you're just lacking? You're behind, you're tired, you're grumpy, you haven't gotten the shopping list done, that relative's coming over that you don't like, and it's just like, can we just get through this? And it's supposed to be a celebration of abundance. I woke up in a really awful mood yesterday. Part of I'm jet lagging back from the other side of the planet, but I was a grump. And so I got it before my family did so I could get all the grumpy out before they woke up. You're welcome. (laughs) But I got before the Lord and he said, why do you see everything that you have in this season, in this moment right now at 4.45 in the morning on Saturday is lack. Pray into abundance of faith and of hope. And of time and of rest and creativity and vision. God wants to give us abundance. And it's not just about money. In fact, I'd say it's least about money. But there's an abundance waiting for us. But the enemy, John 10.10 says, The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. It says the devil prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. That's for real. Every single day we wake up and our feet hit the floor and the enemy goes to work. But we go to work with the one who has defeated the enemy of all time. All times. Defeated. We wake up, our feet hit the floor, and the enemy says, "Uh uh-oh, he's up. What if that were the case? What if that was the expectation of faith was that God had something for us today to overcome that spirit of lack, not just in us, but in everyone we come in contact with? Because our God is a God of abundance. He has given us a weapon of praise. And in some moments when I'm in lack, it's just a ritual. It's just set up the guitars again and plug in the chords and get through the set and do the next thing. But it's a weapon of praise. 
The Lord said to me this morning while we were praying, praise me and watch what I create. God used to create. God still creates. Watch what I create by way of community of faith right here. Just stand back because I'm going to do it. Your job is to contend for it. And when it shows up, when the people show, when they come, whether or not they come in the service or we're just having five minutes to interact with an addict on her way down the street this morning who just lost her boyfriend, feeling abandoned, had a husband die seven years ago. That we would take the opportunity to say, you're a part of this community. The fingerprint of Jesus is all over you. We're going to declare the praises of him who is calling you out of darkness and into his light. And the place where you are isn't the place where you're going to be. That's what praise does. It gives us opportunity to chase addicts down the road on a Sunday, Sunday morning. It gives us opportunity to engage in the lives of children and young people who have no fathers or grandfathers, to be fathers and, and grandfathers, mothers and grandmothers, aunts and uncles, to be a part of the bigger family. That's what praise does, is it blows the doors open off of that opportunity to just walk in the work that he's called us to. That's why we praise. That's why we praise. Why do you praise? Let's work this out in ourselves this morning. Psalm 150. Over and over sometimes we just let the word wash over us. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thirteen directives of praise in that short little psalm. Thirteen times. The word hallelujah is to praise Yahweh. Praise Yah. Praise Yah. Ten of those 13 directives, three just say praise. Well, we can praise a whole lot of things, right? We can praise our football teams. We can praise ourselves for the good work that we do. We can praise a whole lot. But 13 times it says praise. Ten of the 13 says praise Yahweh. Don't forget who it is that you're supposed to be praising with the the breath that you have. So Psalms, this is the culmination. Psalm 150 is the culmination, a collection of songs and prayers and poems from all throughout the history of Israel. 73 of them were written by King David. Asaph wrote some. It says, if you read the headings of the titles, it says that the sons of Korah wrote some of those. Solomon and Moses even contributed. And then about 50 of these psalms are anonymous. But somewhere following the exile of the Babylonians or the exile of the Israelites to Babylonia... This set of psalms was collected and put together as one. Sometimes they were sung in the temple in Jerusalem. But when they were removed and they had to go worship God in a foreign space, they were collected together. And they were designed to be a new Torah. The original Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that's called the teaching. The Torah is just the teaching. It was the passages of scripture that young Jewish boys on their way to becoming rabbis would memorize the first five books of the Bible. The law, the Torah, the teaching, the foundation. 
And then a new Torah would come. The Psalms would come and serve as a foundation for the people in exile, a book of prayer and devotion that was grounded in both lament and in praise. Both things simultaneously. This would provide a foundation for people who are waiting for the promised Messiah. The Psalms would be that. And it's interesting now to look at the then and now. The Jewish people were a people waiting for the first coming of a Messiah, which we're about to celebrate over Advent for the next four weeks. I'm so excited to take a good, crisp, hard look at the person of Jesus Christ. That's what will make up our Advent season. Jesus. There's going to be a lot that's going to want to distract us. But Jesus. He is why we worship. He is the one whom the people of Israel waited for. And as they waited for the coming king for the first time, so do we wait for the promised return of our king. We're both in similar seasons of waiting. You know how I know he's coming back? Because he came the first time. 700 years of waiting, even just from the prophets of Isaiah, waiting for someone to deliver them. He comes. The king comes. He is coming now. He will come again. 150 Poems and songs and prayers and lament of praise. And while songs of lament, because the first three books, Psalms is broken up into five different books. The first three books are filled with a lot of lament. There's a lot of whining and crying going on, which makes me feel okay about whining and crying to the Lord sometimes. Anyone whine and cry? Right? So did David. So did Asaph. So did Solomon and Moses. These guys cried out to the Lord because life was hard. Life was hard. And so these songs of lament drew attention to the very real troubles that exist in life. But the songs of praise draw us towards the very real good that is present in the hope of eternity that we're waiting for. As believers, as people who praise with genuine hearts, the most genuine heart of someone who worships God is someone who praises God equally in the good days as he does, as she does in the pits, in the depths of hell. The genuine heart of someone who praises is someone who is the same in both places. We had the chance as a community to be that kind of worshiper on Thursday. When we woke up, And found out that at 2.45 in the morning, four people had been shot at Park 120, about 100 yards down, right next door. We heard that on Friday preceding, there was a shooting. And there's trauma, there's, there's family members, there's individuals that are impacted by this kind of brokenness right here in the community. And there's the neighbors that deal with the trauma, the aftermath of the trauma of what if it happens again? Can we trust God in the midst of those circumstances to know that he's still king in the depths? Because he is the same day within a stone's throw. Faithful followers of Jesus are meeting at Horizon Elementary with about 25 students talking through the names of the gospels of Jesus Christ. Kids are gathering in this room, having a chance to be together and grow in relationship and know who Jesus is. That happened on the same day. So there's the good and there's the bad. And God is the God of both of them. He redeems all of it. Amen? So we see this story in the hope of the narrative. A a book of Psalms moving 
through the first three books, heavily filled with lament, and then you see a change start to come. You see the hope of a promised kingdom and a Messiah. And by Psalm 146 through 150, it's like the praise fest is on. Not only are we to move from a place of lament to a place of praise as individuals, we're people that are supposed to move from lament to praise as a corporate body. We're moving in both directions simultaneously, right? We've got things that we're grumpy about, but we move towards praise even in the midst of the stuff that's going on. And not just as individuals, it becomes a communal expression that we praise God together in the good and the bad, and we build each other up. Psalm 146.2, right at the beginning of this last set of psalms that kind of leads into praise, it says, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to God as long as I live. A whole lot of individual going on right there. But by Psalm 50, verse 6, the last verse in the Psalms, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Rich, can you start handing out those, maybe grab a couple volunteers. Can I get a couple volunteers to go with Rich? We got about three, three or four more. Maybe about like six people go back there and we're going to give you a gift. We're going to give you a little gift. So go ahead and pass those out. So what if the struggle is really, really real though? Like you ever have a day that goes like this? You're, you wake up, you have a great morning at church on Sunday and then Monday happens and you're feeling like this. Anyone ever feel like that? What if the struggle, yeah, you say lament to praise and from individual to community, but what if the struggle is real? Like what if it's just a really real struggle? How do I get free? It's a resolve. Anyone ever been in geometry? Had a geometry course? Do anyone remember geometric proofs? Okay. Geometric proofs, you had to figure out why one angle on this side of the city equaled this angle on the other side of the city, and you had to go through all these steps to get there. And I, I couldn't ever understand it, and I'd go in for help, and Miss, Mr. Prince, who was my baseball teacher and also my geometry teacher, said, you just got to know it. You just got to know the proofs. You just got to know the laws. You just got to know what is. Because unless you know this whole set of rules that just is, you'll never figure out the proofs. You'll never get through it without knowing that it just is. Here's the deal. There's a proof in faith. When we struggle, we praise. How come? I don't know. We just do it. It works. And if we don't, we'll never get there. It's a proof. When we're having days when the struggle is real, we just praise Him. It's a resolve. There's some Psalms that say, I will tell my soul to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. What we're telling our soul is to get back into line. We're telling it what to do. We're not just waking up at 4.45 on a Saturday morning and just being given to whatever comes. We're going to get up and bless the Lord. We're going to get up and do that. We're going to bring our mess, our lament into this community. We're going to praise Him collectively. God hears our prayers. God moves. The genuine nature of our faith is refined and it's proven in the midst of the most difficult situations we're in. Don't you know that to be the truth, right? Let everything that has breath, you can see it. You can see the wonder in this young lady's eyes. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's not let everything that has breath curse God and country. We do that sometimes. It's not let everything that has breath complain to our friends and our spouses about our day incessantly. You can point a little bit. It's not let everything that has breath 
hold it and stomp up and down until we pass out. We've had days like that. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It doesn't mean put on a happy face and fake it until everything improves. It means declare him king over every situation in our lives just because he says to. Every situation in our lives because he says to. So we're going to take a quick look at the where and the why and the how and the who of praise detailed in Psalm 150. Each one of these is answered in a verse, and it goes really quickly. Where should the Lord be praised? Verse 1. Well, it says to praise Him in the sanctuary. That's when the people get together and they're gathered up. That's where the people of God gather to worship. Praise Him in the sanctuary, but beyond that, not just in the field, not just in the location, the brick-and-mortar shop, you praise God in the heavens. Praise Him in the heavens. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. So inside or outside, wherever God can be found, wherever He can be found. God was walking down the street this morning in the person of an addict with a husband that had passed and a boyfriend that had abandoned her. And there goes God down the street. How do we know? Because the Lord in his word says, when you reach out to the least of these, you have blessed me. God's walking down the street this morning. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to catch up to God and just talk to him for a few minutes to see the light of the, the creator's creation in the eyes of this woman. And she is coming to faith. She's going to get free of all of this that binds her, and she is going to lead. I'm prophetically proclaiming that she will lead in this congregation. We are saying it. I don't know how long it's going to take, but the Lord says expect and pray. She's going to be a leader here. Praise God in the sanctuary, everywhere that we go. Why should he be praised? This is what we did, a practice at the end of the worship set. we got to know why it is that we're doing this. Verse 2, praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him for who he is and what he's done. So who is he? Who is he? This is a great way to praise the Lord when we don't got the worship team up here. because This is awesome. But when we don't have all that, when it's just us, alone, 4.45 in the morning, we can just start writing down a list of who he is to us. The Bible makes hundreds of promises telling us who he is. Good morning, Sam. He tells us who he is. So just write down who God is to you. And then if you want to praise him, you want to get up out of the funk, write down what he's done for you. And write down what he's doing for us in the midst of our pain. Here's the big icky challenge of today. Is to think through three places in our life right now where we would rather curse God and country. Where we would rather stump up and down and hold our breath until we pass out. Where we'd rather whine and complain to our spouse or our friends. Find three of those places right now in your life that are, that are tempting you to check out. Three. Big ones, little ones, whatever it happens to be. Three. We're going to worship again in a few minutes. We're going to bless the Lord for those things because he's doing something through them. That's part of the workshop today. It's going to get gritty. You might got to get upset a little bit. But we're going to learn to bless the Lord in every situation that we go through. We bless Him because of who He is and what He's done. What's He done? Well, He held the planets in orbit. 
This week he gave us the Aurora Borealis on Wednesday night. Then he gave us a meteor shower on Thursday night. It was like every night was just going outside because it's better what's on the Netflix. What was going on in the universe was better. God gave us those things. He's provided oxygen in the atmosphere so that if we choose to breathe instead of holding our breaths, we can stay conscious. He gives us air to breathe. He's designed relationships and community and laughter so that our souls might be restored and renewed. He's done all these things. And I know that when I get grumpy and when I get irritable, it means that my praise checker has just stopped working. It's stopped searching for things to be grateful for. With what should I praise the Lord? Well, with a trumpet. Back in the day before they had brass trumpets with valves and all the rest of that stuff, they had ram's horns. So they would blow that. Praise, praise God with a trumpet. Well, where? Joshua 6 says that Joshua took a trumpet, a ram's horn, and marched around a city for a week and twice on Sunday, and the walls came down because he praised with a trumpet. He took that weapon into battle with dancing. In Exodus 15, after the Israelites had passed through the Red Sea and come out of captivity, and the Egyptians followed, it says that the walls of the sea crashed upon the armies of the Egyptians in Marion. Aaron's sister was the one who got all the ladies together and they started praising God. Sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted, says Exodus 15 verse 19. Both horse and driver have been hurled into the sea. The women danced with timbrels and exclaimed and praised with symbols in verse 5. First Chronicles 15 says that when King David defeated the Philistines, he brought the ark back to its rightful place in Jerusalem. The very presence of God, the ark of the covenant, was returned. And it says that the Levites, the tribe in charge of worship, got together and just crashed symbols together as the presence of God returned. So what does Psalm 50 tell us? 150, what does it tell us? It says, praise breaks down the walls. When we praise, the walls come down like it with Joshua. We know that praise rescues us from our oppressors. As it did with Marion when she got the timbrels and the ladies and the dancing going on. We know that praise returns the presence of God in our lives to its rightful place. As it did when David returned the ark. We just tell story after story after story of the goodness of God throughout our history. And then verse 6 calls the people of God to conclude with a universal kind of praise. It answers the question, who should we praise? We should praise the Lord. Not just the individual, but with everyone that has breath. I gave you a gift. Open it up. I need one. We got an extra one? I mean, that's yours. We got an extra one? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So open up your mirror. See this? This is the praise test. Hope you brush your teeth. <laughs> Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Just take the mirror. Just go like this. Go. <sighs> Did it fog up? Good. You qualify. You are designed to praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. Fog it up again. Just go. <sighs> Did it work? Did it work? You're qualified to praise the Lord. It's an indicator that you are qualified to praise the Lord. You are not only qualified, but you are commanded as one who bears the image of God to praise the Lord. Here's one other thing. What happens when you praise the Lord? Just go, oh, 
Can you see yourself any longer? Nope. When we praise God, it makes it real hard to see ourselves any longer. So just put this away. Keep it in your pocket. Psalm 150, it's a praise indicator. If you're ever getting grumpy, don't want to praise Jesus any longer, just fog that thing up. Do it on the bus, right? Maybe John Fleming going to work, he's just having a grumpy morning, everyone's on the bus, and John's just like, oh. Now you can tell people about Jesus. Right? Mm. Praise indicator. We praise God at all times. There's a question. What keeps us from praise? Hardship? Discouragement? Maybe it's a lack of fascination. I found that to be really interesting in, in, a, in a passage we were going to unpack or teach this. But in Mark 18, sorry, Mark 11, verses 12 through 19, we see this follows Jesus' triumphant entrance into the city of Jerusalem for the Passover feast on Palm Sunday before he'd go to the cross. What we hear next follows the cries of adoring praise. It follows Jesus' curse of a fruitless tree. It follows his cleansing of a den of robbers. This next verse that I'm going to read follows immediately after all of those things. Jesus enters. He's worshipped. He cursed a tree for lack of fruitfulness. He flips over tables for people who have turned a house of worship into a house of economy. And then, Mark 11, verse 18. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard all this. And began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him. Because the whole crowd was amazed at his teachings. And I just thought, doggone it, when we stop being amazed, what happens? We try to kill God. When we lose amazement. People were amazed and they're just trying to to figure out how to kill this guy. I kill God with a lot of things that I do. With my lack of faith. With my lack of devotion kills the heart of God. I just want to be amazed again. Praise is about amazement in Jesus. The people, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law who'd become so familiar with the laws of God, they forgot about the love of God. God was just a threat to them. When is God a threat to me? When I stop breathing in that mirror. When I posture myself against him or above him. That's when, in my mind, I've become an enemy of God. But diminished expectation, as it was in the lives of the teachers of the law, the diminished expectation that they had that God could act and save led to diminished praise. When we stop expecting, we stop praising. So what are our expectations of God today? Knowing that little expectation results in little praise. What do we expect God to do? Man, I'm showing up on this road expecting more stuff. I'm expecting to find addicts walking down the street. I'm expecting that. So because I'm expecting it, I'm praying for it. And then I'm praising for it when it happens. What do we expect? Do we expect she's going to lead in the ministry? Because if we don't, I ain't going to pray for it. But what if we all just started praying for the lady walking down the street this morning, the addict caught in addiction, abandoned by her boyfriend, widowed by her husband? What if we started praying for that? Do you think God might act? Does that seem like it's in alignment with his will to bring broken addicts into the employment of the kingdom of God? Amen. It seems like that sounds like the Gospels to me. You've been listening to a podcast from South Everett Foursquare Church. For more information about us, please visit us online at www.southeverett.org.